Well, hello. It's the A to Z podcast. Zach Jackson, Andre Knott, at Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. At Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast, A to Z podcast.com. Thank you guys for listening, for tweeting, for all you do. Thanks to Scene. Thanks to Honeymoon Girl. Thanks to American Fireworks. They're always open in Hudson. They're always open online at AmericanFireworks.com. And you need to go there now. Why? Because the Browns have signed Jadavian Clowney. The Super Bowl parade is only nine months away. Ten months. Bad public school <laughs> math. Sorry. You're a fool. Damn fool. We ain't been back in a while. We apologize. The season, um, they mess with us. It's different. I got to admit, baseball season is way different this year. And maybe I'm just getting old. <laughs> well, I got to say that, yeah, uh, d- definitely um, that's part of it. And draft season is different for me, too. Um, yeah. I would say this. I watched the game last night, most of it, not every pitch, probably just the same as you. But um, if it wasn't for the clowny thing becoming official, I probably would have led with Shane Bieber because that was damn impressive. Damn impressive is right. I mean, he's had an unbelievable – I don't think and, – and, and you know what? And I'm part of this. When you're inside the bubble, it's sometimes hard. And I don't mean the bubble of, like, the COVID bubble. I mean, just in the bubble of covering someone or covering a season or covering a player. Um, sometimes it's hard to take yourself outside of the bubble to see historically where you're at and what you're watching. Um, you know, this is my seventh season doing this job with, the, you know, with the TV stuff with the Indians. And I've been blessed to see Corey Kluber probably at his finest. I've seen some performances out of guys like Carlos Carrasco, Mike Clevenger, Trevor Bauer. Um, you, well, you guys all know the names. Uh, and I'm not putting one over the other. But what Shane Bieber has done in such a short amount of time, in such a short part of his career, um, I don't know if there's – I mean, every time we post a number about him or every time we get into the fifth, sixth inning of a game, Zach, we're sitting there and we're, and we're putting his numbers up against Nolan Ryan and, 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 and Randy Johnson and, and like, just – Names that, you know, that are Hall of Famers, first ballot Hall of Famers, guys that you know when you put their names in the same category, um, you're talking about the best of the best. He's still 25 years old, man. And, he, and, it's, and I know last year he wins the Cy Young Award, and it's only a six-game season, and it's only against the American League and National League Central. And I can hear all that stuff. Um, but he's doing the same shit a year later now. Um, and, and I, you know, this is the one thing I'll give him. I've given this to Tristan McKenzie, and Tristan McKenzie hasn't gotten as far as Shane. Um, I've been lucky enough to know him basically since they've been drafted, and they haven't changed as a person at all. Um, and you and I have both been around a lot of athletes that have been drafted. We've been around a lot of college athletes, and we've watched them. You know, like Josh Cribbs, pretty much the same dude we've known since we knew him at Kent State. Um, but most guys, and, and look, with maturity, with, you know, with everything that comes with life, immaturity, money, Lack of money, girlfriends, wives, um, lollygaggers that, that stay on and pull you down. There's a lot of things that can change who people are. Shane could change, but he hasn't. And to me, the best story I can give, and then we can get into uh, Jadavian Clowney in that parade you were talking about. But he goes out and he wins the, you know, he was like a late add-on to be on the All-Star team a couple years back when it was here in Cleveland. He wins the All-Star MVP award because he strikes out the side. All of his boys... Um, had one of the best weeks ever, and we're hungover until probably about July, until like August. Trust me, I was one of them. Um, and he never changed him, man. He gets the truck, you know, from Chevy for winning the MVP. He gets, you know, he didn't soup it up. He didn't give it to anybody. He drives it. <laughs> like, 
And, you know, like he didn't like, you know, he was like, yeah, I got to pay taxes on it, whatever. But he was so laid back about it. Um, he goes out last year. He wins, you know, every award you can win, wins the Cy Young and everything else. And literally like a week and a half, two weeks after all that happens, he's like, I'm over it. And not in an arrogant, cocky way, but in a way of, okay, how can I get better? And he goes out and he reaches out to one of the pitching gurus that helped Lucas Giolito, who we watched him go against yesterday, who kind of helped Lucas Giolito change his game. And he goes, I want a better slider. And he went out and he's now he's got one of the best sliders in baseball. While guys are trying to copy his curveball and guys are trying to copy the things he's doing, he hasn't just rested on I'm the best pitcher in baseball. He's gone out and made himself better. Um, and I don't know how much better he can make himself. And I don't know what this means going forward for the Indians. But I will tell you guys this, and I know this doesn't mean very much to most because most of you guys are smarter than you even know yourselves. I just read your Twitter accounts. But he's one of the people that, that keeps telling me, keep telling people to think we're not good enough, and we're going to go out and I'm going to keep kicking people's ass, and I'm going to get us as close as we can get. Well, um, that, loss to the Yan- that loss to the Yankees last year in the playoffs pissed them off to- and motivated him to get back to that situation and try to shove it on them and anybody else if he gets back to the playoffs. That's what I love about Shane Bieber. Well, I texted Josh Cribbs Monday night at 8 o'clock, and he'll get back to me two Fridays from now at noon. So you're right. He hasn't changed a bit in all that time. Did you tell him? Um, he stopped doing that. Did he, did, he know, did he know it was your punk ass that called, though? Yes, I made that clear. That's okay. <laughs> um, no, well, listen. I, I mean, I'm just watching on TV, and unfortunately you were too in this one. But the way the ball moves when Shane Bieber wants it to move, I don't know shit about baseball, right? Like, it's not supposed to do that. <laughs> and like, right. These are major league hitters, right? And the other guy threw a damn good game too, but the ball didn't move for him that way. And he was also incredible. No, he, he without Shane Bieber, it would be an AL. He'd be an AL Cy Young Award winner. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, he's that he's that good, and he's reinvented himself. Um, this is the new age of pitching, man, and baseball's at a, at a crossroads a little bit of. You've let, these, you've let these guys, not only with these unbelievable physical abilities, Zach, but now they have the ability with all these pitching gurus, um, the Trevor Bowers of the world we gave a lot of love to for the driveline stuff. But there's not just driveline. There's places all across America and Texas and Florida, um, California, that all have all these great computers and all these readouts, and they have found the, the, the middle ground of physically finding what guys can do and tunneling pitches off of what they do well. Um, and now you're seeing all these young gurus become pitching coaches. Um, this is a crazy time in baseball because pitching is so far ahead, ahead of hitting right now that I literally think that we're getting to a point where there's going to be some rules made that's going to you're going to have to make rules better for hitting because the pitchers are beyond where the hitters are right now with how they're able to manipulate the ball, with how they're able to use these computers to figure out spin rates and all this other stuff that's way above the public school education that you got and the most of the one that I got. Um, and we're in a cool, cool period of time for pitchers. Um, you know, like, like we did a thing last night. Giolito, who was like a, a top pick, a first-round pick, after he had the worst ERA, worst baseball pitcher in baseball in 2018, goes out and changes his whole motion and, become, and goes right back to being one of the best pitchers. Their pitching coach for the Chicago White Sox was his manager in high school in California. And they had John Flaherty and they had Max Fried and they had him on the same team. They're all number ones in the big leagues right now. Like that guy did such a good job with his high school team. Coach Borman, listen, he did such a good job with a high school team a decade ago. He's now a major league baseball pitching coach. And 
and then you have these guys all over the place in baseball. Um, it amazes me how many young, young, smart, professional baseball coaches um, don't look like what they used to look like at all. Um, and I got several friends that I got several friends that think it's a cool time in baseball because they just bet the under on the Indians every night and they're like ten and two for the year. Shit, you can do that <laughs> most of baseball. Think about think about well, the think about hey, hang on right it got hairy in the Bieber um, Giolito game because of the uh, extra inning rule. I mean, the Indians Indians right. were one inch from having a six run tenth inning. Right, right. Well, and that's didn't have six hits all night between the two teams. <laughs> right, and that's you know we're talking about Indians games. And I hear people bitch about it. Hello, that's baseball. Period. Yeah, and the Indians are third. The th- Indians are third in home runs coming in tonight. But they're like the third worst scoring team in baseball. Like it's it's a weird game right now. And I know people bitch and moan um, about the Indians and the Dolans, and that's fine. But I'll give Terry Francona, Chris Antonetti, and this. Nine times out of ten, no matter what the other team is making, it's a competitive series, no matter who they play. Yeah, I mean, look, through the whole thing, I've said this. The Indians can pitch, and, you know, that's a lot of baseball, right? And it's a long, long, long season. Um, So maybe, maybe they can add to the bats. Maybe they've got one in waiting, right, or two. They might need three or four, but still, the point is, right. it's a long, long season. And when you pitch the way they pitched, they pitch uh, as an active. You have a chance. Um, so, a couple of things I chuckled at from from the clowny Zoom today and all that. It wasn't really a surprise. I mean, as soon as he was coming back for a second visit, you knew as long as he passed the physical, it was going to happen, right? Which is a big deal. Which is a big deal. Which is a big deal and and arguably the biggest deal, and we'll get to that. But he said, you know, if I play 16 games, I can still be that. Well, we play 17 now, Um, and that's going to be a big deal. Because, look, I I understand, and I think this, I feel this vibe with Browns fans. There's almost more excitement for the schedule release than the draft, just because it's been so long. Um, You know, you're used to, there's no drama for the 26 pick. I mean, you might get a starter. You hope you get a good player. It's still important, but like, there's not like arguments going on about this guy or this guy. And the pick's not going to be made until like 1115 that night. Right. You have no control over the first 25 picks. Um, But when it comes to that, like adding the 17th game without a bye week was a big mistake by the players association. And it has potential to lessen the quality of the product. Um, and listen, if your team's year goes bad, your team's year goes bad, your quarterback gets hurt in October or t- 10 starters go on IR or whatever, that, that's not going to change, but it's going to be worse. And if you're a good team like the Browns, um, it really doesn't matter how your schedule gets stacked this year, any year, 1981, right, uh, in terms of when, when you play the teams because you make do that way you get ready, right? But if your bye week is on October 12th and you're trying to play – Till February, that's going to be really hard. It's going to be really challenging. Exactly. Um, the players, credit. the players' association. Let me say, let me just say something real quick. The players' association, they got no power, man. They've already signed. They've already signed up. The deal, their deal is done. They could they they don't they don't have any power once they signed that deal last year. They've had to know eight seventeen games was coming, and almost at eighteen games because at some point it will be eighteen because the owners will continue to be greedy, greedy, and give as much money as they could. That's something they should have negotiated a year ago when DeMoris – um, signed. Oh, they had the case. chance to. They, they blew you, it. They blew it. That's, that's what, what I'm yeah. saying. Like yeah. it, was, it, was, it was way too late. It's past due. <laughs> like they, as soon as they signed that, they ain't got no say in what's going to happen with this. 
But um, look, if Clowney's healthy or healthy for 12 games, right, or mostly healthy for somewhere between 8 to 18 to 21 games, um, you got a good player. And there's different ways you can debate different questions. We might have some. I'll just say this. This is what it's supposed to look like. I mean, there's not many Miles Garrett's walking the earth that are 265 or 268 and can bend and jump like he does and break rims in the offseason for fun and jump boxes at 48 inches and all of that. Like, what Clowney looks like, what Miles looks like, like when you get stables of those, you're into something. And now whether it's the first-round pick or the second-round pick, you can add another 21-year-old guy who twenty-one year old guy who doesn't quite look like those guys do, but he runs and jumps like those guys do or did when they were 19, 20, 21, right? And in a couple of years in the weight room will look that way. And I just think it's not only that because obviously you don't win championships off beauty contests. But going no. back to the J.J. Watt thing, Dre, they were showing you, A, we think that we're there and we can go for it, but B – we want to have the option to move either Miles or Clowney inside. Put them together on the same side. Move them around the formation. And if we can do a good job stopping the run, and Clowney should help that, and get you in third and eight, help. in third and 12, we're going to pick our matchups, and we're going to come after you, and we're going to help the secondary that way. No doubt. That's what the great, that's what the great teams do. I mean, it's not versatility. And, it's, and the way you're I, – I get what you're calculating. I'll calculate it this way. I don't need to see Clowney on the field till November because I don't care what he does in September. I don't care what he does in October, really. You need him healthy when you make a playoff run, especially with this longer season. If you have a 60% Clowney in November, December, then eh. But I mean, to me, you, you, you work his, his, his number, and I'm like, I don't want to be tentative with him. You got it, right? And you want to play him. I get that. But I don't need over 25 snaps, 30 snaps from him in September. For no. You yeah. want to be able. You want to be able to get to the playoffs. You want to be able to get to the dry, the stretch drive. You know, after you know, after Thanksgiving, where you can get 40, 45 decent snaps out of him. Where the tax and all these other guys. Because it comes down to, what can I? And, and last year, I thought Adrian Claiborne was great in the in the amount of snaps that they gave him. Right? They gave him enough snaps that he wasn't overexposed, but he was able to put pressure on in the small amount of snaps that he had. Uh, Jadavian Clowney's knees are banged up. You just you said something that I think is more important than anything else. It's not sexy to talk about run defense and talking about keeping the outside shoulder. Um, and, 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 and as one of the, the sayings of this podcast, when we really, really first start, got, start going was set the edge. <laughs> set the um, fucking edge. Set the fucking edge. Was like, I mean, and I meant that shit. And I still do mean it because that's what – that's what football comes down to. If you can't set the edge, you've got no chance. Mm-hmm. Now when you have, you know, when you're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers or whomever, and it's December 15th and it's, you know, and it's 20 degrees and the, and the, and the wind is blowing at 20 miles an hour from, you know, through the dog pound or whatever else, and you know on third and three, they've got to probably run the football or they've got to make it a short, quick pass. Because, you know, sacks are different for defensive ends with these offenses now. Between the versatility of quarterbacks and between the ball getting out so quick, like we watched the Steelers do last year, um, you can't just pin your ears back and just run to a spot anymore against most of these quarterbacks. Now, in saying that, Miles Garrett is a special talent. He's going to get his sacks. Jadavian Clowney, coming out of South Carolina, was everything Miles Garrett we say was projected to be. Right? He was his freakish. He was his freakish athlete. Um, I don't know how much of this plays into it. I'm not going to play smarter than the next guy, but I've always thought he's more of a four-three. 
um, defensive end, which he'll play with the Browns, and he's basically played the three four his whole career. Zach, he's been a three four outside linebacker, which the priorities are a little bit different, and, and and you have to play a little bit different. I think he's better put his hand down and letting him get upfield, like he'll do with the Browns. Um, look, the best thing about this signing, and this is all I'll say about it, is this: your season doesn't depend on Jadavian Clowney being an All Pro. No. What? No matter what happens, whatever. No matter what happens with him. This is like cherry on top stuff. This is what happens when you're a good football team. If he plays all season, awesome. But you can still win 10-11 games whether Jadavion Clowney suits up for you or not, in my opinion. Yeah, look, um, A, I think you, you you live with yourself more if you go for it and he doesn't get hurt, right? Or, or he does get hurt more than if you didn't. B, I mean, in the first six games the Browns won last year, guys, Miles Garrett made a game-changing play in every one of them. So, mm-hmm. you know, what happened with COVID, what happened with the rest of the defense and how they adjusted, I don't know. You, We can all look at that, and especially for to whatever extent his decline was COVID-related, we'll, we'll never be able to answer that. But you sit here and make this move to free him up, to, to lessen his load in some spots, but to free him up in some spots and let him do his thing, right? Like, that's worth taking. I mean, you're already paying Miles the big money. And, I, and I've said this all along. Like, I still have major questions about the Browns' defense. However, when you have Denzel and you have Miles, that's a pretty damn good start. And you just took a guy that's a former number one pick that can affect games in multiple ways. And the last thing I'll say, we can talk something else. I better not hear one of you guys, one of you guys, talk about the preseason or how much they play. We just told you it doesn't matter. Last year there was no preseason. The Browns in the first game that counted lost 38-6. It easily could have been 70-17. to They went on to have their best season in 25 years. Right? There, there's going to be, and this goes back to the trust of Andrew Barry, of Kevin Stefanski, of the Browns for the first time in a long time. There's going to be gradual. Now you expect the, the, the learning curve, a gradual build, I should say. Right? You expect the learning curve to be lessened. You expect them to play well. But guys, like if they come out and two of the first three games are on national TV and they don't look great, the season's not over. It's not time to fire the coach. Like Jadavian Clowney should not get near a fucking preseason game, right? No. Miles no, Garrett no, no. should practice no. every second or third day when he's ready when camp starts in July or August. Like <laughs> we had these right. these stupid arguments. Like we've arrived, and your goal, and again, it doesn't matter. Like it's not necessarily the end of the world if something or some string of things would go wrong. And I would say the Browns have arrived at a talent level that it would take a string of things to derail their season. But they're not winning anything in August or September. And this move says we're thinking about it. And so, look, I I agree. Um, This does give some flexibility to the draft in terms of you don't need a starting defensive end, right? Um, Maybe you can take a corner. Maybe you can take a defensive tackle. Whatever you look, but this is a one-year rental. This is a player that comes with a certain level of risk, right? So, well, let me ask. Let me let me ask you this: Doesn't it make it easier? In my opinion, you tell me if I'm wrong. And I've read a little bit of what you've written about it. I think it makes it easier to draft either the kid from Miami that barely didn't play last year or has barely played and been banged up with concussions, or the kid from Penn State if he lasts that long. Like, there's so many questions with guys that sat out, did play, didn't play. To me, this makes it easier to draft those type of guys where you're saying now, if I draft, like, because I won't say any names because I'm trying to be more mature in my life. There's a lot of stupid there's a lot of stupid people on the radio that talk out of their ass. But I know they're trying to fill a lot of time, and they, they don't know what they don't know. Um, 
the great teams are great. Baltimore Ravens are who I'm thinking about right now because they can draft the 20s, mid, late 20s, and get an impact player, right? The Browns, yeah, they're that. going to sustain. Yes. yes. The Browns, if they're going to sustain this and be this, you got to find a stud. There will be a stud when they go up the draft at 1130 on that night in Cleveland where, goddamn, I hope nobody falls in Lake Erie. But I'm damn sure knowing, knowing our people, somebody's going to be in Lake Erie. I'm not wishing upon it. I just know you fools. Um, I just think this makes it easier to take that swing. Because you can take a big swing at that number, right, Zach? You can take a swing at a guy that, like I said, maybe he's got concussion issues. Maybe he barely played last year. Maybe he barely had any sex, but he's this freak athlete. This makes it easier because now you don't have to have all your trust in him, quote-unquote, saving you in the 2021 season. And look at the two guys he can learn from in front of him. Yeah, you know, I think, I think in theory you're absolutely correct. Um, you know, I think the tricky thing, and no one can answer this, no one outside the building, is like the guy that you're talking about, Jalen Phillips, that has three concussions. I mean – I don't know in any circumstance you can take that guy in the first round. Or you might flip on the tape and say, well, how could we not take him at 26, right? But you're right. No, in theory, right. this opens you up. And in theory, having nine picks, um, when you know nine rookies aren't going to make your team, when you know you're in win-now mode, would allow you to take later that injured player that maybe has to miss his rookie year or part of mm-hmm. his rookie year. Or that risky player, right, who's, who's only there right. in the third or fourth round because of something he did, um, you know, it, it's, it's a fascinating thing. And I, I think, in a way, even though it's not out front on your radio and your TV and your Twitter screen, um, the draft to, the, to those involved is more fascinating down there because, like, Absolutely. there's a chance when the Browns stack their board of, of the players that they actually love, Dre, like, there's a chance they're going to get their number 14 or 16 guy at number 26, Right. But you always mm-hmm. have to ask yourself, why is he there? <laughs> and, right. you know, it, I think last okay, year, though. you know, no one came out and said this, but I think last year they kind of said, look, we're not going there on a risky guy. You know, we're we're going to spend on Jack Conklin, on Austin Hooper, on Case right. Keenum. Like, those guys have been around. There's no baggage in their past. There's no nothing. Like, Jedrick Wills, I mean, he was he was a position projection, but – he was an Alabama kid, a former three, four-star recruit. Like, there was no wild transfer story. Oh. There was no arrest in his past, right? Like, right. Um, right. So now as you get better, are you more tempted to do that? Can you really stick? I, I don't know. That's the human nature part of it, and that to me is what makes it more fascinating uh, the further well, down you go and, and as you chase these they championships. Little, they have a little bit of more cachet, though. With, and what they, they didn't know what they didn't know last year. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you put you put Barry together with Stefanski. Um, here, speaking of, I'm gonna give a Stefanski story why why I tend to like him um, more and more as I get to know about him. Came to an Indians game this past Sunday. We were told by the Indians, and I I'm, I hope I'm not talking out of out of turn, and I may be a little bit, but really in reality, too I, late I, now. <laughs> I'm sitting out. Of, yeah, in reality, if it's out of turn, if, if I'm Stefanski, I'd want this story out. Um, so you know, we get told. Hey, Kevin Stefanski's here at the game. So we're just like, oh, he's got to be in a suite, right? And we're told by the people that, you know, that took care of it. Like, no, he didn't want to be in a suite. He wanted to be in the stands with the fans. That's, you know, he wanted to be out with his family in the stands. So they told us the section they were in. And we, and I don't want to speak for our producers or directors, but when you have certain people in the stands, we pick and choose, you know, when we're going to show them, you know, how it plays into the game, 
Um, and, and sometimes we know certain, you know, sometimes you don't show certain people because you don't want them to be crowded by fans and everything else after you show them. Some people, you know, but we we forgot to show. I'll, I'll, I'll get to this. I'll get to the point, that point of the story first. Okay. We knew he was there. I was looking. I kind of knew he was there, and because of COVID and everything else, and because I knew he didn't want to be in a suite, I didn't even think about trying to interview him. It was like, let the guy enjoy. Let the guy enjoy his Sunday, like any other dad that brings his kids to the game is on a Sunday. <laughs> I just thought it was really, I just thought it was really cool because there's been other coaches from that team that have shown up and wanted the, the orange carpet rolled out for him, um, and wanted to be treated like royalty. That wasn't Kevin Stefanski this past Sunday. Came to the game, wanted to enjoy the game like a normal human being, and because of that. I think we did it without even realizing it. We treated him like that. You know what I mean? Like we, it was like, all right, cool. If he wants to sit in the stands, and you know, we won't bother him. We'll let him enjoy the nine innings. Um, and I thought that was cool because, like I said, I'm, no, I won't mention any names here. I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. I got other forms to do that. Um, he didn't do that. And I think that plays into who he is and why his players reacted so well to him in his first season as a head coach. No, I, I agree. I I would say one thing about this. I, I have had about two and a half interactions outside of the form stuff with him, and that's just because he, he had the job for all of, what, six, eight weeks before the pandemic hit, right? Right, um, right. And you don't know anybody off those Zoom calls, right? No, you don't. Um, you no. and, and even in a normal year, you don't know anybody off standing at those press conferences either. No, so you don't. I get the feeling, Dre, that like from those small interactions – you know, one where, you know, he frankly invited a bunch of us writers one by one to just spend a few minutes with him and ask us about our families and, you know, give us a chance to ask him things just about what's going on in the world, in his world, what makes him tick rather than, you know, who's the third outside linebacker, right? And and, a, and one time I frankly ran into him at the, on the sidewalk at one of the NFL events and we talked for five or ten minutes. Um, I think that it is in his demeanor to where he's like, on to the next challenge, right? Mm-hmm. I think he fully yeah. understands and appreciates that he's the head coach and that he's going to be scrutinized and he's going to get a lot of praise and he's going to get a lot of shit sometimes, right? But I really think, and I think this is important too, I really think his nature is, okay, what's the next challenge? Who we got to block next, right? Right, um, right. Like he won NFL coach of the year. Well, he's zero and zero this year like everyone else. And I, I really think that's important. Um, about his counterpart and close ally, Andrew Barely, I'm asking you one thing. I think you made a great point about the door being open to taking a risk or to maybe yeah. doing something that they wouldn't have done last year or would be outside of their DNA. You get one and a half seconds to answer this question when I ask it. You ready? Okay. If, yep. it, com- if it comes to that, are they taking the defensive end with three concussions? Are they taking the defensive end with the high upside that played one year? Or if there's a corner from Northwestern there, are they just taking him? They'll take the corner from Northwestern. Yep. That's what I, I think, think too. Think what I, again, this is kind of fascinating <laughs> when you think about it. It is because in the past I'd be like, in the past I would be, I would be, let's hit a home run. Like I'll admit, like just from being around the sport in the game, I'd be like, because here's <laughs> shout out to the, uh, to our boy Scott Petrak, the Northwestern grad that'll be wearing purple all draft weekend long. <laughs> um, in the past. I'll admit, I'd be like, go get me that DN because a DN, because a DN that can be a game changer can change your team, right? I mean, you just said it. Look what Miles Garrett did for the Browns last year. I mean, they don't get off to that start without Miles Garrett. And now that you have Miles Garrett, if you could possibly get someone that has the same 
features that he has, man, that's that's wild. But knowing what I know and seeing how they do things, I say let's be let's be cautious and take the Northwestern guy. Yeah. In a- all right, hey, I know we don't have long. Um, you're going in. So is is there any indication that you're going to be back on the road with the team anytime soon? Or are we talking, like, way down the road from now? No, I mean, there's 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 whispers. I mean, we got our fingers. Um, I mean, it's hopeful. I mean, hopefully uh, it won't be the next road trip. Hopefully by all-star break, um, everybody will be vaccinated. It, it, looks, it looks and feels like it's getting close. Um I mean, I'm lucky. I feel like we do a pretty decent enough job. I had somebody text me the other day midway through the game, uh, an actual scout, a couple of scouts, that thought we were at the game. He was like, man, you guys are doing a game so good. I didn't even know you weren't there. Um, it's still really hard to do baseball games. Yeah. Not I'm being sure. not being at the actual stadium. Uh, but it is nice to do it from Progressive Field. We're hoping, Zach, fingers across, that um, everything will be the right way and we will be getting on a bird and actually going to the games because it is hard. And there's just certain shit. Like, I, we had a coach from the Indians text us the other night about a play. And I literally, Matt and I had to literally tell him, we don't know because we didn't see that because we were watching off the TV. Yeah. And that sucks because, to me, it means a lot that we have coaches on the Indians coaching staff that trust our eyes or trust things that we see or, you know what I mean, that have had sure. conversations with us in the past. And they're like, hey, what does this look like? You know, that, that when they get back to their hotel room after a game, they're like, hey, what happened on this play? And it sucked to um, not be able to go back to Tito or the coaches and say, this has happened because, well, we just didn't see it because we're not there. Um, so kudos to all the people out there that are doing these games the way we're doing them. But knock on wood, hopefully, um, for the betterment for all of us, we'll be with the team 100% when we um, – hopefully, like I said, by all-star break at the latest. I will say home games have been much better because I'm back in my normal space for home games, even though they put a plexiglass between us. doesn't stop Jose Ramirez from um, – telling me I'm number one and speaking the way we speak to each other. So, <laughs> so it's made home game. Well, but you know what, though? Honestly, for me, that at least means half the games we do are closer to what you guys got back in 19, 18, 17, 16, and 15. Um, doing them in, from the stands was, I mean, I'm not complaining. The 60-game season was a 60-game season. You know, there's a, a lot of other people that suffered way less, way, way worse. So I'm not complaining. But the job was hard. It was different. Um, it was different for all of us. So I appreciate what we had, and the hope is that we're going to get back to having more normalcy uh, by All-Star break, hopefully. So along those lines, uh, I know those of you who can attend and and what will go on, I know you will show up and show out, for lack of a better phrase, but I really hope (laughs) Cleveland gets another draft. And I know we've talked about this, Dre, but just the the gut punch, I guess. It's probably too strong a word. I can't think of the right term, but the draft was the damn Super Bowl in Cleveland for 20 years. Right. So then Cleveland gets to host right. it. The Browns pick 26 and there's a pandemic. So instead of 400,000 people, there's limits on everything. And, you know, we're, we're two weeks out and there's not like announcements of things because I don't even know if they can have some of the events that they want to have. Or if they're going to have them, it's a quarter of the crowd. Right. And it's all, all the stuff you got to go through. So um, that just stinks. You know, it is different from an anticipation standpoint. Like the Browns have to wait till 26. They have to wait till 59. You know, I wrote the other day, you know, there's precedent for teams moving around from those spots. Those are usually the better teams that don't necessarily need one thing. Or, as we talked about, the argument, maybe we can make a move on this guy because we didn't think we'd ever be able to get him. 
or we think we're ready to take on him for the upside a year from now or two years from now, right? So uh, there is that interest level. I, I think Andrew Barry is more likely to try to roll those third and fourth round picks ahead into extra picks for the future um, for more maneuvering, but I don't know. Um, like I said, it, the possibility exists, as we started to talk about before. The, the 12th or 14th or 15th player on the Browns board will be there when they're three picks ahead. Right? So, do you have a trade partner? Do you have someone willing to come down? Do you have sign-off to to go get this guy? I mean, a lot of the years I spent in the draft, there were a lot of fascinating things. Um, There were a few, like, ho-hum standard things. Right? But one of them was these scouts work multiple years on most of these guys. On on all all, all the guys that get picked in the top 75, multiple years of work are done on them. And the work you did two days or earlier, two days to two years earlier, can get blown up. The guy goes one pick in front of you, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's how it works. That's and how it works. and obviously, it's the chances of that increase when you don't pick till twenty six. Right. But that's right. okay. Um, I mean, the thing is, hey, but the thing is this: they aren't. Rel- that's the difference, and I think this is going to be hard for Brown fans because shit, we ain't used to this. They're not reliant on having to draft one guy. This, to me, is a fun draft. Think about um, – here, this is how I can make it normal to normalize it a little bit. Think about your fantasy drafts where you already got the two top running backs. You have your two favorite – you know, you got your favorite wide receiver, favorite running back in the first two rounds. And suddenly you're sitting there, and, and a running back you have is a first-round running back. Maybe he's banged up. Maybe he's suspended. Maybe, you know, like, like – like, remember we got Hunt – or was it was us when we got Hunt the one year he was – one of our drafts. I, wanted, I don't know if it was a draft with you or somebody else. And it was like, eh, Kareem Hunt's there. Maybe we'll pick him up. Maybe we won't. Two years ago. And it was like, well, you can take that risk factor because you got a team that's already set up where you're not needing him in the first week. That's kind of where I see where the Browns are at this year. It's not like, oh, shit, we didn't get that number one. We didn't get the corner from Northwestern. We're, we're in trouble. You know what I mean? That, yeah. to me, is the beauty of where they're at. They don't have to just freak out and have to get one player. Yeah, and, and you know, what I think is important, too, is – they, they have 11 starters on defense. Now, realistically, you have about 16 starters on defense. Every team does, especially the good ones, right? But on offense, you have some level of expectation for Odell Beckham. You have high level of expectation for Jarvis Landry. You've come to have high level of expectation for Rashard Higgins. And Peoples Jones sure shit showed you enough that you have some level of expectation for him and a potential a lot. Well... Realistically, the only one of those guys who's under contract past this year is Peoples Jones. And he's done the least, right? <laughs> um, you're a running team that's two highest salary cap guys are wide receivers. So, how early is too early to draft a receiver this year? Boy, you pushing the limits, and I love that you're doing it because you're talking the truth. <laughs> I'm going to say something that's not popular. I'm not going to say something that's not popular many off of what you're going to say, and I'm going to leave it at this. If there is an elite speed receiver on the first or second day of the draft, I take him. Let's stop short of first elite, day. You're not re- taking a receiver in the first round. Come no. on. Okay, maybe not the first day. I'm just, look, I'm just simply saying is because of what you just said, you said something that's important. They are a running football team. We all know that. But here's the deal, and this is nothing against people, Jones, but it is against I don't think they got a burner, Zach. And I think you need a burner when you can have play action the way they can have play action. 
a yeah. true burner with what they have offensively with this with this line and with the, and with the with how they want to play action. Um, people's Jones may turn into it, but give me an all-out. Give me a Travis. This is when you get a Travis Benjamin in the second round, per se. I'm just using that as an example. You know, a guy that a guy that can be a punt returner, a guy that look that you're not you're not expecting 80 catches from. I just want somebody to put the fear of God when you put him on the field. The safety has to go. Oh shit! You know, keep your eye on that guy. I think with everything they have set up, and I know I've been a proponent of you keep you keep Odell, you keep Jarvis. I I got nothing against Hollywood or Maria Wood or whatever drag drag racing Wood, whatever the hell his nickname is. I'm just saying, if there's the burner at the right place in that second third day, I take him, and I don't even think twice about it. Yeah, that, it certainly will be interesting. Um, my guy is Rondale Moore. Uh, from Purdue. Now he he was only five mm-hmm. seven. He's he's not going yeah, he in the first round. Um, no. Is he going to be there at fifty nine? Hmm. We'll see. It'd be really interesting because the right coach for Rondale Moore, the right offense for Rondale Moore. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. All right, guys. Uh, glad to do this again. We promise it won't be this long again before we do another one. Uh, we're getting settled into a quasi-baseball routine, and I'm getting closer to the draft. So thank you guys for listening, for tweeting, for all you do. Um, are Indians home this weekend or gone? On the road. They're in Ohio. They're in Cincinnati. Then they come home off Monday. Then the Chicago White Sox come to town for two games, Tuesday and Wednesday next week. Um, and I got something that we may be able to uh, announce next week as well, uh, dealing with podcasting and the Browns. It could be a really cool event that you guys are going to uh, dig a lot about. All right. Thanks to you guys. Thanks to American Fireworks. Thanks to Honeymoon. Thanks to Scene. Uh, thank you, everybody. Um, enjoy the ball games. Enjoy your football team being um, high esteemed. Being hey, can talented. I say something real quick? I, yeah, can I say something real quick? Yeah. That was that was one of the worst NCAA tournament uh, Final Fours of my whole life. Um, I would say this. First of all, Brendan Haywood had the funniest <laughs> tweet of all time when he said Gonzaga was like the good AAU team that hadn't seen the hood team yet. But... <laughs> <laughs> he ain't lying. <laughs> I do want to so, say you've been telling me you've been telling me Baylor was great for a while, yeah. and I and I didn't see it last year, and it did take until the Final Four for me to say, "Holy shit, they." They had some athletes. They deserve. Listen, it. they they play San Diego and Santa Clara all year. Everybody knows that they didn't lose because of that. Um, I really think they didn't see any adversity in the tournament until they got to UCLA, and I think they mm-hmm. got so mentally and physically drained by that game that they were not able to re- to quickly recover from Baylor's first two punches. And Baylor's so good. If you don't recover from their first two punches with one of your own, you're not going. I mean, over. the game never got yep. closer than ten. It was just over. Yeah. So. Great point. Great point. Uh, it was good to have the NCAA tournament back. I'll tell you what's weird. You know, it's mid-April, and there's another month of the NBA season, and that is a slog. It's know. awful. The guys are hurt. The product sucks. Yeah. It's not a Yeah, they're not in a good place right now. Yeah. But we all know why they're playing. TV, I mean, TV has made them play as many games as they played. It's just like the All-Star game. That was a – it is what it is. I got a roll. Um, Konnichiwa to all of you. Thank you for your patience. We will be back soon with more – of the A to Z podcast. Like I said, hopefully we'll have an announcement next week of something really cool that we're going to do. Um, and, and I'm going to work something else out. Maybe we'll get a player on here sooner than later. I really do have a couple guys that may be willing to do it. 
because um, there's some great stories with the Indians within the Indians that I'd like to get out and have people hear about as well as sooner than later. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Can you uh, my micro my exact microwave in my refrigerator? <laughs> <laughs> Life sucks. See you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Great.